pray and you're welcome to continue. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. I think this storm that's coming uh, just illustrates a few things just kind of in the beginnings of, of this message. Over in 1 Peter 5, uh, 8 through 10, there is an admonishment that Peter gives an admonishment in scripture to guide us. You know, we hear the news again and again and again, you know, we get, we kind of get glued to it. These, these stories, you know, where this thing is going kind of magnetizes us to watch the weather channel or whatever it may be. And uh, it gives us an awareness, but out of that awareness, it should call us to an alertness and a readiness, right? Well, if it doesn't hit, so what? What did I do? Buy too much water, all right? You know, but what if it does hit and we're not ready? That's, that's the problem. So we understand in Florida, I, I, I bumped into a lady, uh, elderly woman, in the grocery store the other day. I was just getting a little bit more water. I'm afraid to go by a grocery store. My wife just says, turn in there. Why? We need more water. Don't you think 14 cases is enough, baby? I mean, you know, some of them are getting a couple more cases of water. This lady looks at me. She said, I've been here all my life. She said, ah, these things don't bother me. I looked at her. I said, that's the one that's going to get you. I said, sometimes you take too much confidence in what's not going to happen because it hasn't happened, and all of a sudden it comes and it wipes you out. She kind of looked at me, and I'm, I'm just telling you the truth, ma'am. <laughs> you know? And I think that that happens oftentimes in our Christian walk. In the middle of all the incredible things that God's doing in our life, we forget that there's a real enemy that's out there that goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, coming like a thief in the night trying to steal and, and take every good thing God has placed in our life. We fail to recognize how important that awareness and alertness and preparedness is for our life. Jesus said if the good man of the house would have known when the thief was coming, he would have been ready for him. The Bible is full of teaching us about the character of God, teaching us about God's salvation plan and love, and teaching us about preparedness for God to return, to live every day in a way that we are able to, to live with assurance to any trial or storm or any attack of the enemy that would ever come against us. So this morning, I just want to talk to you, maybe this morning and for the next couple of weeks, about an area that um, Peter talks about that Enemy comes around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. If you found that, would you just stand with me in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8? I'm going to read it out of the Amplified Bible this morning. You follow along with whatever you have there. 
1 Peter 5 and 8, the Amplified Bible. Be sober, well-balanced and self-disciplined. Be alert and cautious at all times. But then that enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry, seeking someone to devour. But resist him. Be firm in your faith against his attack, rooted, established, immovable, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being experienced by your brothers and sisters throughout the world. You do not suffer alone, verse 10. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who imparts his blessing and favor, who called you to his own eternal glory in Christ, will himself complete, confirm, strengthen, and establish you, making you what you ought to be. Amen. You know, it's interesting that he uses that term lion. To us, it's, it's kind of a post-thought. But to the Christians that were being persecuted in that day, in a time of Nero's reign, they thought immediately to the Colosseum where Christians were devoured and destroyed in every way. And he draws their attention to that particular thinking, giving them this in the active imperative that is saying you have an enemy and you need to be actively aware every moment of every day. Let your guard down and in he rushes in to destroy. So with that thought, let's pray and ask God to help us. Father, it is not my intent to cause fear but encourage faith. It is not my intent to bring us into a corner of bondage but God, to liberate us with the understanding and the knowledge of who we are and whose we are in Jesus Christ. Father, we need to be aware that there is an enemy looking to, to cause us to stumble at the next turn. So today, let the word of God speak clearly and freely as you use your servant in whatever way you choose by the anointing of the Spirit. Open our ears, but better said, open our hearts today, Father. Let God, your word, speak to us. Not only here, but God, every church in our community that names the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we bless. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you as you are seated this morning. You know, so, so we're talking about this enemy. This morning we're just going to name this where lions feed. And we want to understand. My wife and I were, were coming into church today and actually even yesterday when we were driving along, and I said, you know, I don't want to sound archaic. I don't want to sound like, you know, the old guy, the old days. I said, but, you know, I, I'm really tired of the lack of awareness that people are being uh, not taught the truth about God's word. God is a God of love. God loves you with an unending, relentless love. He will not cease to love you. Nothing on this world will cause God to stop loving you. Let me tell you, Sanctuary Church loves you and we care for you. I love you. The leaders here, we love you. I want you to know Satan has no love for you whatsoever. 
He desires day and night to destroy your life. Jesus said to Peter in Luke twenty-two thirty-one. he said, Peter, Satan has desired or determined to have you and to sift you as wheat means he wants to pull your life completely apart and destroy it. But don't worry, I've prayed for you that your faith would not fail. That's what Peter said, resist him steadfastly in the faith. There's your fight right there. And today we've got to be aware, we need to know that God loves us, but we also need to know that we have an enemy that night and day looks for an opportunity to destroy our life. John said he's a thief that has come to steal, kill, and to destroy, to separate us from every good thing that God has for our life. Paul said in Ephesians 2, 2, that he's the prince of the power of the air, and he's looking for a place to destroy your life. Peter said he's an adversary. He's going around looking for that moment to get in wherever you will let him in your life. The Adam Clark commentary to this passage speaks this way. They say that he's a subtle servant, serpent, looking to pervert judgment any way he can. He started right there in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say that? You know, that's a message today that is being preached. Well, let me expound a little bit more of what God really meant. God's not a God of bondage, but a God of blessing. I'm going to tell you, when God tells us no, it's not to bring us in bondage, but to bring us into liberty because there are things that will ultimately hurt and harm our life. Amen. Paul said uh, he's an angel of light giving a false view of spiritual things. And Peter said he's a roaring lion or like a roaring lion seeking to violently overthrow us. The word of God admonishes us to understand in Ephesians 4 and 27, give no place to the devil. Don't give an opportunity or a moment that he can slip in. A few years back and even recently, you may have seen on the Discovery Channel, a four-part series, Serengeti. When you kind of look at these things and you go a little bit into deeper study, you kind of watch the lions and you see what makes them tick and, and, and what movements they have and, and what, what causes them to become so aggressive. And you take and look at the natural and realize that there is a spiritual application. Peter said, there's never a time not to be sober and vigilant. There's never a time not to watch over your spiritual life and even your, your, your uh, everyday life because he's not only wanting to destroy your life, he's wanting to destroy your family, he's wanting to tear apart your marriage, he's wanting to ruin friendships and relationships and every good thing in your life. Now, I've had many a person say, ah, Satan's no big deal. Jesus kicked his teeth out at Calvary. Hey, that makes for good preaching, but it's not good doctrine. Let me tell you something. He has what authority we allow. He said, resist him steadfastly in the faith. You have greater power. The problem is we don't always walk in that power. If Satan's teeth are kicked out, then why do we still have 20 to 25 million abortions every year? 
Why is divorce, the divorce rate, at such a high level? Why is there murder in schools? Why is it that this year alone, there are more mass murders than days of the year? There's been 255 mass shootings this year whereby 260 people have lost their life and over a thousand people have been wounded or injured and untold thousands have been running in fear. Why is it if Satan's teeth are kicked out but kids uh, are in fear and going to school, you can't walk into a mall for, for the thought that something could take place? We, we just seen in Midland, Texas two days ago, People driving down the street and all of a sudden a mass shooter is just shooting at people. People go to a movie theater. He's there shooting at them there. What is this? This is a ramping up of evil in this world looking to take lives and to destroy people. You look around in every campus there is an issue. If the devil is so toothless then why do we have the drug issues we have, the deplorable conditions, the wars, the national uh, problems with morality and the moral crisis that we as a nation, even as a church that we face today, we're debating on whether sin is okay or not. My God, the Bible said, the soul that sinneth shall surely die in Ezekiel 18 and 20. And, and Paul said in Romans 6 and 23 that the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. I mean, it's that clear, but Satan is perverting the judgment of God's people and somehow or another, there's these deplorable things that continue. We realize that even Christians are not immune to his attacks. We realize that Christians are going through uh, great difficulty and persecution, maybe not as much in this world, but around the world. And how that in many nations, they're, they're not even allowed to spread the good news of Jesus Christ for fear of being put into prison or losing their life. I, I've heard this many times. Somebody would say, you know what? Satan ain't no thing to me. I'll kick his butt. I've had people say that, look me right at and say, hey, listen, I can handle myself. I'm going to tell you all the strength in this world is not any match for the weakest elements of Satan's power. There is nothing you have within your own natural self that is greater than the power of what Satan has over your life when you allow him. But I want to say to the other side, there is not one of the weakest persons on the face of this earth that when you stand in the power of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, there is no power in hell that can stop you from moving forward in the fullness, in the favor, in the freedom of what God has for your life. We don't face him in our strength, but we face him in the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. Can you give him glory, praise, and honor? <laughs> I don't know why. Here's an old song I wasn't even raised in a church, but I remember it. At the name of Jesus, Satan trembles. At his name, the raging seas grow calm. I know it's not right, but that's the best I got one more time. You know, it doesn't get any better than that, but it does get worse. <laughs> James said in James 2 and 19, but even devils tremble at God. And at the name of Jesus Christ, 
Lord, have mercy. Let us go back and trust the power of the name of Jesus Christ. We need to listen and realize that Scripture is telling us that there is a very real enemy out there. Paul admonishes us not to be afraid, but to be full of faith. He says, look, your fight is not with flesh and blood. That's not where you're wrestling in the everyday. It's not with your family. It's not with your spouse. It's not with your boss. It's not with the people around us. But the real fight is a spiritual fight. We are wrestling against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this present world and spiritual wickedness throughout this world. That is the real fight that we're on. So wherefore we should take the whole armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, having our feet shod with the gospel of the preparation of peace, taking on the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and marching forward, not in our strength, but in the strength of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. We go back and realize there are very real spiritual lions that are wanting to attack and destroy our life. And we need to understand, we need to be aware, we need to be alert about where lions feed and where they find those moments of destruction when all at once everything's going great and all of a sudden everything's turned upside down. Now, if you haven't been here in the last few months or even few years, maybe you don't realize that God has been doing marvelous things in our midst and he's been touching lives and ramping up our spirit and, and exciting and stimulating our walk in Jesus Christ and people have been getting saved and I've had people coming and telling me the different things God's doing in their life. But I want to tell you, while God is ministering and moving, we've got to be aware that on one side, there's another place that the enemy's looking for an opportunity to sneak in, to get in, somehow an opportunity to cause church issues and problems, to bring destruction to the goodness of what God, God is doing. He doesn't want to see this place raising up the name of Jesus any higher, whereby the lost, the hurting, the broken, the downtrodden, and those that have been hurt desperately can find a place of healing, peace, joy, in deliverance. So let's this morning just start on a few of these and maybe we'll finish up next week. I want to tell you where lions feed, first of all, is where the fire goes out. Like mosquitoes in the night, they come in in droves looking to devour and to destroy. Some years ago, a missionary doctor and his family were in Africa. And they were really on a uh, sightseeing tour. So they were going further into the bush and further out. And as they went out further, they were told, now you're getting into a more dangerous area. And so the key is that you are to keep the fire burning all night because the fire pushes them back. They're afraid of the fire. So they said, yes, one particular night, they had been out for a long, long day of taking pictures and sightseeing and enjoying themselves. So there they put plenty of logs on the fire. The father was going to wake up every so many hours to keep the logs on the fire and to keep it burning. That particular night he was in a deeper sleep and didn't wake up. The family, the wife and the two children woke up. There in the midst of it they saw their father mauled to death. As the fire had went out and the lions had came in and they watched this lioness absolutely 
take the life of their father. And it all happened because he took one night off and forgot to get up and keep the fire burning. The key word here is fire. We cannot let the fire go out because when the fire goes out, bad things begin to take place in our life. Fire is an Old Testament picture of the presence of God, emblematic of the Holy Spirit to burn always in our life. Exodus 27 and 20 tells us, never let the fire go out. When the fire was removed, demons would come in like locusts and destroy the people of Israel. In 1 Samuel 3 and 3 is an interesting passage of Scripture. Israel was living a very cold life, separated more from God than they had ever been. And at this particular time, what had taken place is, is the priest Eli, who was devoid of any spiritual ears and had a milk toast backbone, if any at all, towards his son's frivolity, Hophni and Phinehas, in all of the sin and what they were doing. But God doesn't turn a blind eye or a deaf ear to wrongdoing. God will not burn brightly in a life that will not believe and follow him completely in the name of Jesus. And the Bible said in 1 Samuel 3 and 3 that the fire in the lamp went out, which represented the presence and the power of God. In that allegorical symbolism, when the fire went out, they didn't just lose the illumination, they lost the life of the presence of God. They would go into battle and thousands would die. They would fear and panic. Instead of coming to a place of repentance, they decided we're just going to go through the motions. They went and got the Ark of the Covenant. They lifted that Ark on their shoulders. Let me tell you something real quick. What you lost in the spirit, you cannot regain in the flesh. One of the issues today is that the church at large has lost the anointing of the Spirit of God and we're still shouting hallelujahs and giving amens when it's time to get on our face and cry out in repentance and say, God, have mercy on us as a nation. Have mercy on us as a people. Have mercy on us as a church. Have mercy on us as a family. Have mercy on me, oh God. Let repentance bring back righteousness in our life again. And they went out with an assumption that was a false assumption. They lost 34,000 people that day. They lost the Ark of the Covenant. The high priest died that day. Hophni and Phinehas died that day. Israel was already dead. And for years, the enemy could just come in at will. Church, I believe God's speaking to us today. Don't let the fire go out. I believe fire is the New Testament picture of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 25 and 1, we read about the wise and the foolish virgins and how it was so important to keep the oil to, in their lamps, to keep the Holy Spirit moving and burning in their life. That when the bridegroom would come, we understand that five were ready, but five were not ready. My God in heaven, help us. If that represents anything, that means half the church is not ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, help us to be ready for your coming. Help us to be in a place of, of, of repentance and righteousness. Help us to be in a place of true praise and sanctification. Can you give him praise if you believe that? 
I think this is best illustrated in Revelations 2, 1 through 7. The church at Ephesus, my, what a great church. I really, I mean, you look at this church. This church was a church that was full of works, religious purity, piety, persistency, and sound doctrine. My goodness, they wouldn't put up with anything except for a cold orthodoxy church. That was all right, because evidently the fire had went out. The Lord said, "Why well, you're a good church. You're a hardworking people. You're united together for a purpose. It's just not the right purpose. But what you've done, I've got a problem with. You've lost your passion. You've lost your purpose. You've lost the fire. And you can have all these other things. But without the fire, they mean nothing. Good works doesn't take us to heaven. The enemy doesn't look out and say, boy, that's a hard-working church. I can't get in there. He gets in the middle of it all. The enemy doesn't care about our doctrine, our sound doctrine when we're sound asleep and we're not praying and seeking the face of God. Can I get an amen? We've got to come to the place and realize that we can be enthused, but it's more important to be engulfed by the Holy Spirit. Some years ago, 112 years ago, the great outpouring, the Azusa Street Revival, God poured out his spirit again. And when he did, there was a prophecy that came forth concerning the end days and the times and condition. They said three things. Men will praise a God they no longer pray to. Worship replaced the word. There will be more emphasis on power than righteousness. Purity was sacrificed on the altar of provision. Oh, just give me what I want, God. Don't worry about how I'm living there's, there will be an overemphasis on spiritual gifts rather than the lordship of Jesus Christ, the charismata over Christianity. All of this creating a Christless Pentecost. Let's just have a Pentecostal outpouring. Why don't we have an outpouring of Jesus Christ first and foremost, an outpouring of Calvary, an outpouring of prayer, an outpouring of sanctification, an outpouring of closeness and relationship with Jesus Christ. These are the things that bring us into a place of a fiery relationship with God. Can you say amen? You look at the picture today. I wish I didn't have to tell you some of these things, but I'd be a bad pastor if I didn't share the truth of God's word. Amen. I told my wife on the way here, I said, some things I don't want to talk about, but I refuse to shut my mouth when God has opened his unto me. I refuse to hold back the truth of the word of God. I refuse to watch politely and stand by and watch people fall over the cliff of destruction and all they needed to know was the truth of God's love, the righteousness of his word and a walk that God requires for all of them. Oh, that's good for you, preacher. I'm telling you, God's no respecter of persons. What he requires of my life, you better know he requires of your life as well. Just because we turn our ears doesn't mean we have a heart that is turned right with God. Can you say amen? 
We come to the place and we realize the picture today is this self-serving, self-centered, seeker-friendly, philanthropic church today. Good businessmen does not make for good believers. It just means they know how to build a congregation together. We're not here to build a congregation. We're here to build lives upon the word of God. We're here to build up one another on a most holy faith, amen. An unwavering compromise that says Jesus is alive. Jesus is in my heart. And Jesus shall be proclaimed through the scriptures as we live out our lives. Can you say amen? Weary and well-doing, busy, wore out, tired. Just don't have time to put another log on the fire. The spirit-filled life takes vigilance. It takes effort. It takes commitment. And it takes sacrifice on our part. Too many have this once fiery relationship that has now melted, now has cooled down into religious ice. Just going through the formalities, just going to church, just giving a little in the offering. These are the type of things where one day we wake up and there's a lion in our face and we don't know what to do about it. Can you say amen? All others are more like the Laodicea church. Revelations 3, 14. We're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Jesus said, you're poor, blind, and wretched, and you're of need of eye salve. You need your eyes opened. You need your ears unstopped. You need your heart melted before me. The American church as we know it is so Laodicean, it's not funny. We've come to the place where we build temples unto ourselves. We build ministries instead of building the ministry, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you all that matters is that we are giving glory unto God. People are wondering, why don't I get credit? And why didn't this one get credit? I don't care who gets the credit as long as God gets the glory and we are seeing lives changed. We don't need the fire. We've got the favor. I'm telling you, one day the favor will end without the fire in your life. Others gripe and leave over what they don't have. Or let the hypocrites and the problems quench the flame. Complain about what's not, talking about what was, wishing what one day could be there while doing nothing, offering no prayer, offering no intercession, that God would send the fire again and fill every heart and burn up the chaff. What about the hypocrites, the problems, and the sin in the church? I'm going to tell you, this is a good church, but there's problems like any church. There are issues like any church. There are struggles like any church. What do you do about it, pastor? I'm going to tell you, I've come to the place I'm not running around looking to find out all of the problems. I'm on my knees and I'm praying, God, pour out your spirit. Let the fire fall. Let it burn up the chaff. Let it, God, deal with the issues here. But God, have your will, have your way in our life and in our church again in the name of Jesus Christ. It's time to add another log spiritually to the fire. Can you say amen? How do I get the fire back? How do I maintain the fire? How do I increase the fire? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Come to the piano before I pass out. Real deal. 
You know, in Numbers, the 16th chapter, verse 41 through 50, Israel has once again committed whoredoms and sins and, and idolatry and all the garbage that goes with it. And I love Christianity. Let me pause. And I love the church and I love this church. But God help us in the whoredoms and the idolatry and the things that we put before God. My wife showed me a little Facebook clip. She screenshot it yesterday. Boy, it just touched my heart. Somebody put on there, how is it that we give such preparation for the coming of Dorian and make no preparation for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? Woo, amen or oh me. I mean, we're all rushing around getting water, calling each other, there's water over here. There's gas over here. There's food and snacks over here. We ordered extra. I mean, I'm telling you, we got a pantry full of water. You come to our house, you don't get anything but water to drink. But somebody says, the Lord's coming. Yeah, I heard that all my life. I'm telling you, according to the word of God, as sure as I'm standing here and beyond, Better than my last breath, my next breath is telling you, Jesus Christ is coming again. And he's coming for a church that is on fire. He's coming for a church that is filled with the Spirit. He's coming with a church that is hungry to live for the Word of God. He's coming for a church that is occupying, which means busy about the Master's business. I pray he's coming for you and he's coming for me. And he's coming for a whole lot more as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. The sons of Korah were murmuring against Moses and Aaron as basically complaining. Let me tell you something. We do well not to complain about godly leadership. If there's an issue, you take it to God. You take it to that leader and you gently talk to them. May I speak? I'm nobody, but Christ in me and where he has positioned me is somebody. Amen? I pray constantly, God, let him not see me. This morning, let them not give any pats on my back, but let them all praise your everlasting name. God sent a plague. Moses knew what to do as people were dying. He said, Aaron, go to the house of God and get the fire. We're going to bring the fire and the incense forward again. And it's going to stay the plague. What do you do about the issues? You get the fire of God again. What do you do when you're upset with somebody? You get the fire of God involved. Amen. You go to the house of God. You get on your knees and you pray and you pray and you pray till God ignites your spirit one more time. Three things and we're done. How do I get back the fire? First of all, you surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Too much of Christianity today is self-centered, full of aggrandizement, self-pursuing. We've got to come to a place again and surrender our lives. Here I am, Lord. I'm not much, but... I Everything I have, I give to you. 
I tell the Lord regularly because I've got to keep myself in that place. I'm just telling you. If I give my flesh an inch, I'm telling you, it wants everything tomorrow. I don't know about you. Well, no, I do know about you. You're just like me. Take a day off and it takes a week to make up for it. You know what I'm saying? That's just how it is spiritually in our life. Surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Luke 9 and 23, if any man or woman, if anyone will come after me, let him deny their self, take up their cross, and follow me daily. It is a life of surrender. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Going to church doesn't mean that much except for it's a witness to what God has worked in your life, amen? But it doesn't make you saved. No more than standing in a garage makes you a car. Amen? Surrender, seek. There has to be a hunger there. Jeremiah 29 and 13. You shall seek me and you shall find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Be very careful. God is not interested in half-hearted praise. A limpness about our spirit. We cannot maintain one foot in, one foot out. To love both is to love nothing. God said, give me everything. Or you've given me nothing. It's seeking him with your whole heart, your whole being, body, soul, mind, strength, spirit, everything about yourself. It's coming to a Matthew 13, 45 moment, the pearl of great price. Lord, I must have it. It will cost everything that you are, everything that you have, and everything that you will be. But it will bring you the greatest peace, joy, and reassurance in your life. And lastly, sacrifice. I want us to understand the fire never fell on an empty altar. Never fell. Never came to an empty altar. Paul said in Romans 12 and 1, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, your lives, the totality of yourself as a living sacrifice. That's that's an oxymoron to the teaching of the Old Testament. The sacrifice was slain, then laid out. He said, you present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual worship. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How is our mind renewed? Ephesians 4.23, by the word of God, our mind is renewed. By the washing of the word, Ephesians, the fifth chapter, it renews us as we go back to the word. He is bringing us into a place of renewal, a place of readiness, a place at the altar that God is getting ready to send fire in our life, fire in our church, fire in the movement of what God is doing. I'm going to tell you what's happening these last days. I don't know all the stuff going around us. I know that we are becoming numb to the atrocities. 
We're becoming numb to the carnality. We're becoming numb to the immorality. It's like, yeah, I seen him yesterday. That's yesterday's news. But in these days, God is stirring up a people that is saying, I want more. I want the fire to come back. I don't know what you're going to, I don't know how you're going to, but God, I'm going to seek you with my whole heart. I'm going to lay myself on that altar once again. And when the fire is rendered acceptable, or when the sacrifice is rendered acceptable, the fire of God is going to fall again. And I pray, God, help every one of us here to give ourselves back unto you, holy and acceptable, that you're first and that your glory is seen in our life until the fire comes and consumes us and changes us and challenges us to live a life of, of honor and glory unto you. Father, in the name of Jesus.